Hello and welcome to the March 22nd edition of the OSU Sports Extra podcast. I'm Patrick Prince, joined as always from Dean Rule and Stillwater. Dean, always good to be with you. Uh, let's start with basketball. OSU season came to an end last night with an overtime loss to North Texas and the NIT quarterfinals. So Mike Boynton's sixth season is now in the books. Um, how will the season be remembered? I think it's easiest to sum up, Patrick, as failing to meet expectations because this is now season number five of missing the NCAA tournament. And out of Boynton's six years, and granted, one of those is coming from the lost COVID year. And then the one that they did make it in was the shortened COVID year. So once again, they just kind of fell a little short. They ended up going to the NIT. They won a couple NIT games, but they they fell short of going to the semifinals, going to Las Vegas. It just feels like everything just fell just a, a hair short. Um, and I think this is now becoming a, you know, one time is an, an anomaly, Patrick. A second time is a coincidence. A third time becomes a trend. Um, and I, I think they're kind of starting to, fall into that trend of just falling short of, of what people have, people expect from them. So let me ask you a two-part question. Um, if you're an OSU fan, what, what gives you reason for excitement in the future? And then on the flip side of that, if you're an OSU fan, what gives you concern for the future, for, for the immediate future, i.e. next year? Yeah, I think the optimism always lies in the recruiting class because Mike Boynton has proven to be a, yeah, not just great, but I'd say I'd put him in the elite category, Patrick. I probably would. I'd say he's an elite recruiter and he's got a top 10 class coming to Stillwater this year. And I think Brandon Garrison is every bit could be the next star in the lineage of Oklahoma State players. Um, obviously, time will tell on that, but there's a lot to like about the recruiting class they're bringing in, and it's at positions that OSU has not been the most consistent at the past two years, and so I think that's always helpful. Um, I think for the immediate future, the concern, I think optimism and concern are both going to be tied to the roster, and I think the concerning part is going to be who ends up leaving this offseason what players decide to go check out the transfer portal and see where they might be able to fit in somewhere else and you don't know how many of those you're going to lose and they could you know somebody like Avery Anderson you'd really want like to have back Patrick but if he chooses to train you know, that's all speculation I don't know if Avery Anderson wants to leave or not but the point being that there's some solid players you probably still would want to bring back next year that might say, I'm going to go check out somewhere else. You know, this is not the place for me anymore. I'm going to go see where I can go be, go, I don't know, be more successful. I don't know if that's the word to use there, Patrick, but regardless, there are going to be people maybe looking for a change of scenery that you don't want to lose this off season. And I think that a season like they just had makes roster management all the more concerning in the immediate future, I think. And OSU has a numbers problem, correct? Yeah. yeah. Uh, They've lost some scholarship spots with the uh, NCAA sanctions, and that's going to carry over in the next year. And it's going to make it, once again, a little little tight. 
So they're okay. So that was my next question. They are reduced again next year. Yes. I need to ask Mike Boynton about what that number is because I believe they doubled up this year, but they lost a spot for three years and they could, if they wanted, they could take one of those years and put it on top of another year. But I, so I think they still have a reduction next year and then it's done, but I need to still confirm that Patrick. Okay. Well, the good news, I guess, if, if you do have, depending on what their number is, if, if you do need to kind of bolster your roster, that's the transfer portal is one way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to uh, a little football because it is football season, sort of, kind of, you know, spring football. So that's that's something at least. Um, OSU conducted their first practice uh, yesterday. We're filming this on Wednesday. So yesterday being Tuesday. What were your first impressions of watching a little bit of practice? Well, hey, Patrick, I'll start off. I, I enjoy, I thoroughly enjoy spring football because it means the weather's starting to get nice again. You can go back outside. You're not cooped up in Gallagher-Iba Arena six days out of the week. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I thoroughly enjoy spring football. But OSU football is in a very interesting spot right now, Patrick, because I think I would say if we go back to January, the sky was falling, remember? Yes. And uh, and obviously Mike Boynton is, or not Mike, Mike Gundy has not spoken with anybody publicly really in those, in the past couple months and all this kind of fear and paranoia set in in the fan base. And then Mike Gundy comes out yesterday and I'll just say that Mike Gundy is one of the most interesting people to listen to talk about football, Patrick. I'll say that. And after you listen to him, you're saying, hey, well, they might be all right this year, you know? Um Obviously, there's some concerns to have from, from spring football or just because of the sheer number of new players they have, Patrick. And, and obviously, Mike Boynton – or I'm still on basketball. Mike Gundy. That's the second time you've done that. I know. That. Come on. Come Mike on. Gundy. Um, <laughs> so, so they signed 33 players this offseason. 28 of them are in town for spring football. Um. And he says the goal is obviously at the end of spring football to have a somewhat solidified depth chart. Gundy says, though, that having that solidified depth chart is hard when you don't know what you have with 28 players. And he said 18 of them could be starters by the by the by September. So he says the goal stays the same if you want to have a solidified depth chart, but reaching that and how you get there becomes increasingly harder because you don't know what you all exactly have on this team. Yeah. Uh, how, how did the quarterbacks look? It's interesting, Patrick. Um, th that's another – Mike Gundy talked about this a lot yesterday. He said he might not know who the starter is until August because you've got Alan Bowman, who obviously a veteran going into his sixth year – Started at Texas Tech, was a backup at Michigan. He's got all the reps that you'd want from a starting quarterback. But Mike Gundy says the issue is he hasn't really played in two years. There's a lot of rust that needs to be knocked off with Alan Bowman. Um, I, I would still say if you made me put money on it, he will most likely be the starter. Um, but Garrett Rangel, he, he showed something. I thought the first three quarters of the bowl game with Garrett Rangel were awful. But I think that last quarter, that fourth quarter, he showed some guts in that bowl game. Uh, 
And I think that's something worth noting. So, so I think that's where the quarterback battle is, is between those two who they feel more comfortable going with. Uh, I would still just assume that's Alan Bowman. Gunnar Gundy's around. And I think the, the way Mike Gundy talked yesterday, it, it sounds like Zane Flores is more kind of just going to be brought along this spring. I don't think they're really going to throw him into this competition, but he could show something. And, and I'm not saying he couldn't start some games this season, just like Garrett Rangel did last season, uh, stepping in for Spencer Sanders. So I think if if we're making a way too early depth chart, I'd probably say Alan Bowman, Garrett Rangel, Gunnar Gundy, Zane Flores. But that's, that's what the spring is all about, figuring that out. And Mike Gundy said, just trying to get everybody reps to see what you exactly have is, is going to be the thing. And this thing could carry over and through the summer, Patrick. All right, Dean, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll, uh, we'll dive more into uh, spring football. All right, Dean, so we haven't yet had an opportunity, we as in the media, to talk to uh, Brian Nardo yet, uh, the new defensive coordinator. But Gundy did have kind of explain how he how he landed on Nardo yesterday with some interesting comments. What can you share about that? Yeah, so Brian Nardo, we, we all know when he got hired, nobody knew who he was because he's coming from the Division II level, Gannon University, and how, how, how did Mike Gundy end up finding out about this guy? Um, there, there's a relationship between Brian Nardo and uh, Joe Bob Clements on the OSU staff from when Brian Nardo coached at Emporia State. There's a little bit of a, a relationship there, but Mike Gundy was was set on finding a guy who had a three-down defense and, and knew that and was an expert at that, and so that's what they want to switch to. They want to switch to a 3-3-5 defense, Patrick, a defensive scheme. Gundy said there's still going to be some four-down mixed in. They're taking a lot of what Brian Nardo likes to do and what he's good at and kind of mixing in what Mike Gundy and some of the other defensive minds think works. In uh, And so it's going to be kind of this mish mishmash of, of ideas. And they're trying to keep it simple for the first year. I wouldn't expect anything. I don't think the fans should expect anything crazy. Um, schematic wise, I, I think this defense has the potential to be be really solid in Brian Nardo's first year. Um, but yeah, he, uh, Nardo coming from the same conference as Mike Yersich, that's just a coincidence. Mike Gundy said, Patrick coming from the PSAC, the, the Division II PSAC. Um, overall, I, I, Obviously, Mike Gundy's going to make it sound like a great hire, and and he's excited. And I think there is reason to be excited about this hire in Brian Nardo. But once again, it, it's hard to judge even after one year, even at, at this time next year, it's going to be hard to judge his defense because it's going to be all about implementing this scheme this year. I think I think that's the main goal: getting this implemented, getting people comfortable with it, and seeing how it all plays out. Why is Gundy wanting to move to this 3-3-5? So, yeah, I, I, it's kind of become – it's the 3-3-5 has recently historically worked against big shutting down Big 12 offenses. Um, Iowa State's always been kind of the front runner with running this defensive scheme in, in the Big 12. And Mike Gundy's always been a big fan. Anytime you talk to him about Iowa State defense on those game weeks, he's always a big fan of it and, and how it works. And so it's it focuses on on stopping the pass, Patrick, but being able to also 
shut down the run. It's a very kind of versatile defensive scheme that relies on having some more athletic players. And, and OSU has that and somebody like Kendall Daniels and Colin Oliver. Colin Oliver is in some, some setups, he's going to be back as a standing linebacker, Patrick. And I think that that really fits what Colin Oliver does and his, his size and his, the way he kind of maneuvers on the field. Um, so yeah, it, it works against the big 12. It's kind of proven to work against big 12 offenses. And so I think it's a smart move for, for them to switch to this. And the offense is going to look, uh, I don't know if you'd say drastically different, but just uh, in terms of formation, it, it's going to look, we'll, we'll say a lot different. Is that fair? What, what can you say about that? Yeah, I'd be willing to say that this is going to look very different um, because they they went away from the cowboy back. Nobody liked the cowboy back, I don't think. And it hurt them in recruiting, I think, a little bit because if you've got a tight end, Patrick, and he's looking and he's getting recruited from Big 12 schools around and they say, well, OSU, they don't even have a tight end position. It's called a cowboy back. That might That's going to hurt in recruiting. But, um so yes, they've taken the cowboy back and they've melted it down back into fullbacks and tight ends. Uh, and so they they have, I think, five tight ends and five fullbacks. Uh, they, they divided up the cowboy backs to where they the, their body type kind of fit best as either a fullback or a tight end. And it's all designed to help with the run game also, because obviously the run game, there was a a lot to be desired about the run game last year that, that didn't work out and it was kind of a little stale and soft. Uh, so bringing the fullback, bringing the tight end, it's all kind of helps with running formation and run blocking and, and hopefully kind of given that, that part of their offense, a, a little bit of a jump start. And, and I think it will Patrick, because I think this is, this is the, this has always been the way to run the football. You need a fullback. You need a tight end. It just works. Um, well, and and you gotta you gotta think Ollie Gordon. I mean, Ollie Gordon has has the skills. I mean, he, he's he's has shown flashes uh, yeah. previously. So you gotta think if they could figure something out uh, blocking for him, that they'll do well, right? I mean, Ollie Gordon was running well last year when the run blocking was not good. Yeah. Uh, so, so even if you can give him a little extra help. I think he'll be able to do a lot with it. And 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 also it's worth noting with the tight ends, the tight end is not just, just blocking. The, they have guys that they've brought in through the transfer portal who Mike Gundy said might be in more for run blocking situations. And then they've got some tight ends they brought in that are better in the passing game and could really kind of add that extra element that's been, I don't want to say lacking because the Cowboy backs would still go out and run routes, but I think when you go to a more traditional tight end, it becomes a much more viable passing option. And, and as you're trying to bring along a new quarterback, Patrick, now that Spencer Sanders is no longer there, giving that guy as much help as you can is, is going to be important. And so I, I think a name to watch there is Josiah Johnson, who uh, a sixth-year guy that they brought in from uh, UMass, way, way up on the Northeast, Patrick, Apparently he's a big guy. Uh, apparently he's got some soft hands. I think everything I'm hearing about him is he, he could be something something special in the pass game next year. Didn't I see that uh, Bryce Drummond is listed as a tight end? 
He is, yes. He, he, he transferred from North Texas. Uh, so he went to North Texas as a quarterback. I looked this up. He um, he changed a tight end at, at North Texas. That's not something he changed to at OSU. Okay. Okay. Inter- interesting. Uh, well, you mentioned a couple of players, but let's let's talk about let's talk about a few more players. Who who else might spring be important for? Like, who are some of the players you're going to be looking at to kind of see how they develop? Uh, I'd say first off, right off the bat, Patrick, Cam Smith is a name that I would watch. And most people are saying, "Who's Cam Smith?" Well, OSU, I think probably. I've thought about I thought about this a little bit last night, Patrick. I think. Losing Jabbar Muhammad, their cornerback, in the transfer portal, he went up to Washington. I think that's probably the biggest loss they had on the defensive side through the transfer portal. Because finding good cornerbacks is an increasingly hard thing to do. Finding top-level cornerbacks is, is very difficult to replace, and that's what Jabbar Muhammad was. And now Cam Smith played... A decent amount last year. Um, they had some injuries in the secondary, and they moved some guys around, and that put Cam Smith into a starting role. And there were uh, growing pains there at times, but but overall, I, I I thought at at times he showed flashes of being a pretty solid cornerback. And and I think that's now that starting cornerback role is kind of his for the taking a little bit this spring. And so you want to obviously see him continue to develop. Uh, continue to kind of clean up some of the issues he struggled with last year. But I think this spring is going to be important in him kind of locking up that he's going to be the starter alongside Corey Black as the as the cornerbacks for OSU. Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, who, el- who else you got your, your eye on? Oh, I think Dalton Cooper is a name to pay attention to, Patrick, on the offensive line. He, he transferred in from Texas State. Big guy, big offensive tackle. He's got all the numbers, all the statistics out there that you you would want to see from a from an offensive lineman. And obviously, but we just talked about it earlier. The, the, the offensive line contributed to the run game not being very good last year, Patrick. Let's just be honest about that. The run, the, the offensive line was lacking, and, and they went through some injuries, and it was musical chairs, and so so she went out and kind of cleaned up some of these issues. They brought in some depth for the offensive line and hopefully it all works out. But yeah, I think Dalton Cooper could be a, I don't know if, I don't know if there's such a thing as a superstar offensive lineman, Patrick. I don't know if that those exist. Um, You know, do you ever, I don't know if you ever see kids walking around in an offensive lineman's Jersey. I don't know if that, that happens, but, but I think Dalton Cooper, I, I, I say this all because I think Dalton Cooper could be, the best offensive lineman for OSU next year. I think he has that potential. And so how he fits into this whole system and how he looks in the spring is going to be super, super important for OSU because I think he could solve some of those issues OSU dealt with last year. All right. Uh, anybody else that you're looking at? I'm, I'm glad. I was wondering when, when we started this little segment about who you're who you're going to be watching for. I wondered if you're going to mention someone on the on the offensive line because it's just it, you know, like you said, it was an area of need. So glad, uh, interesting that you pointed out who you did. So anybody else you're looking at? Well, of course, Patrick, I'm looking at I'm looking at all kinds of guys. You're, all, you're always looking. 
I'll, keep it to, I'll give you one more. Um, wide receiver, Deshaun Stribling. Now, he's another transfer, like Cooper. He comes in from Washington State. And he was super early. He He's committed uh, super early. I think it was like a week or so after the transfer portal opened. So way back in early December, he already committed. He was he was signed during a early signing period, I believe. And then, uh, but no, anyway, big kid, huge. He's I think six four. He he's, he had some numbers at at Washington State that that were interesting. And then just seeing him out there, I think he could fill in that role that. Uh, Brain Johnson had last year. Obviously, Brain Johnson exhausted his eligibility. He's out. They kind of look the same. I think Stribling though is is bigger than him. I think they're about. They were. I think Brain Johnson was about six three, but I think Stribling is just a bigger guy, um, heavier. And I think watching him do some drill. Obviously, only you're not seeing the best when you're out at open practice. They're not showing you the best drills and and all that, but but I think he could be somebody of of importance. And I think he's a guy when we talk about instant impact, Patrick, I think he's a guy that transferred in that could have that immediate impact and and play right off the bat. This is so cool talking football in March. It, I, I just love it. Let's. This is so awesome. You know, it's great, Patch. That's what I'm saying. It, it just football. The the five weeks of spring football are just a perfect break from from winter sports and springtime. And the sun's out longer every day, and breeze yeah. feels nice on you. You can start wearing shorts again. It's great. Yeah, all 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 the things. You're you're 100 right. I mean, this is this is going to be a really interesting football season uh, talking about the state of Oklahoma. Cause you got, you know, Kevin Wilson at TU new excitement there. Um, he's doing some good things with recruiting. Um, you know, you got OU coming off a six and seven season, but they, they had a good recruiting class. There's excitement there seems like. And, and there's, and it, it's interesting from the OSU angle because I've and correct me if I'm wrong, Dean, but I feel like Mike Gundy's team's, do better when maybe people doubt them a little bit and maybe not a ton is ex- is expected. Um, I just think, you know, Mike Gunny's been around a long time and he's pretty scrappy. And I, I think doubting him is maybe not, I'm not saying people are or whatever, but like you said, there, you know, there, there've been some issues, but um I think that's just when OSU might uncork a really solid season. They're, they're making some changes um, I don't know. What what do you think about that? Am I am I crazy? No, I'm not not at all. I was I was scrolling through Twitter the other day, Patrick, and one of these little they're like college football. They, they have like this really kind of ambiguous name. It's like college football home or whatever. This is kind of random like fan run college football Twitter accounts. Anyway. I'm not dogging on them. If, if people have those, it's, it's great because because I always just kind of enjoy looking at that stuff. But one of them tweeted out a question like, what if I told you uh, Oklahoma State will win the Big 12 this year? And I was kind of flipping through the comments, and I'm, I'm thinking about it. I said, I don't know who the favorite in the Big 12 is this year. I don't know if there if there is a favorite because all these teams are at such interesting, like, spots. I think – I mean – 
last year, would we have thought TCU was going to win the Big 12? Well, I guess Kansas State won the Big 12, but TCU went to the college football playoff to represent the Big 12. Um, I, would we have really thought Kansas State and TCU were going to be playing in the Big 12 championship game? And, and the year before, would we have thought Oklahoma State and Baylor were going to be playing in it? Like, there's like six teams that could compete for this, Patrick. And, and I don't think that just OSU lost a lot of they lost seven starters from last year Patrick in the transfer portal that's not good I don't there's I, there's no way that anybody could spin that and tell me well that's good OSU that's okay for OSU now they went out and they got a lot in the transfer portal and so I think the biggest question is if these if they hit on some of these guys in the transfer portal and they can be solid starters and replace some of these guys that they lost and they've made these necessary schematic changes on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball, well, then who's saying they won't compete? I'm not saying they're going to go out and win the Big 12, Patrick. I, it is it is March 22nd. I'm not I'm not saying, oh, yeah, OSU, pencil them in as the favorite. They're, they're going. They're winning, you know, 11-1 season for OSU. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you've got your veteran coach, you've got all these new guys, and if you hit on some of them, you make you successfully make these schematic changes, which I think all is doable. What's saying that they can't go out and win nine games next year? I, I don't I don't think that's a that's that's a crazy thing to to say. Now all those things have to happen, but yeah, I I, I think that OSU is very much can go out and compete. And I think it's going to be an interesting year, like you said, Patrick, just around all of Oklahoma, because each of these three teams did not have a season up to the fan base expectation. And so, you know, all of them are going to put in a little extra effort to get back there, to get back in the good graces of the fan base. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. All right, Dean, great stuff. As always, we'll leave it there for, uh, for this week. You can download us for free at Google, Apple, or Spotify, and we really appreciate you checking us out. Uh, thank you. And, Dean, you and I will talk. I'm going to see you later in Stillwater, but we'll gather next week for another podcast. Of course.